This is a Federal News Network podcast. The deadline for federal employees to comply with the Biden administration's vaccine mandate has passed. It was yesterday. And some of the numbers are in. The White House says 90 percent of federal employees have at least one shot of the COVID-19 vaccine. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco joins me now to tell us what we know so far about this whole campaign inside the federal workforce. Nicole, tell us more about the numbers. So, Tom, like you mentioned what we're hearing is 90% of federal employees, and the White House is using a number that includes 3.5 million federal workers. Uh, so 90% of them have at least one shot. Uh, they say that most, a majority, are fully vaccinated at this point, and that all told, 95% of federal employees are either partially vaccinated, fully vaccinated, or they have a medical or religious exception request pending or approved. And this is by the Monday, the Monday deadline to comply with the administration's vaccination uh, requirement. You know, the White House is reiterating uh, their belief that they believe this campaign worked. Um, You know, and I think in the past couple of weeks, the administration has frankly been pretty quiet about how many federal employees have complied so far with this mandate. We were getting a little bit of information from VA, and over time, I think we saw that the compliance numbers, if you include the number of people who have uh, requested an exception, have gone up over time. So that's what we know so far. And do we know any of the numbers from specific agencies? We know a little bit. Uh, the Office of Management and Budget is supposed to release a breakdown of more specific vaccination rates at individual agencies later this week. But what we've heard so far, 93% of the Transportation Security Administration has complied. And again, that includes partially, fully, or partially or fully vaccinated or having requested an an accommodation. That's good to know if you're going to fly for Thanksgiving. Yes. And in fact, the TSA spokeswoman uh, essentially tweeted that out earlier this morning. Uh, Customs and Border Protection, 98% of employees have apparently complied. 99% of the Federal Aviation Administration workforce is in compliance. And at the IRS, 98% of employees have apparently complied. Still learning a little bit more about what the situation is at the Veterans Health Administration, which, of course, had a mandate actually set earlier than the rest of the federal workforce. But just last week, we heard from VA Secretary Dennis McDonough that 94 percent of VHA employees had uh, uploaded their information about their vaccination status and requested uh, some sort of accommodation. And this might be too detailed, but some of the vaccinations are only one shot in the first place. So is it possible to discern which ones still have to have their second Pfizer or already had their one Moderna? That is apparently what we're going to see from the Biden administration in the coming days. Who or how many meet that fully vaccinated requirement, which, like you said, does, you know, can include the fact that you might just get one shot, how many people are partially vaccinated and how many exception requests are out there as well. Yeah, so that's pretty big numbers. I mean, 94, 5, 6, 7, 8 percent at different agencies. Interesting when you see Customs and Border Protection, they are in many of their officers anyway, are, and some of their administrative people are in close contact with people coming over the border from other countries. So there's that interaction in close quarters with other people. Same thing with TSA, close interaction, although they're masked in the airports. But nevertheless, 
they're breathing the droplets that are coming through, you know, from people getting on plane. So VHA will be interesting to see how they fit in there. What happens next now that this thing seems to be working? Right. So I think what happens next, we're going to get more details. And I think that will paint a a little better of a picture. You know, if you have an exception request pending, it might mean that you're not vaccinated. And so the broad top level numbers suggest that's not an incredibly large number of federal employees who might fall into that category, a still significant number if you're, you know, really after having every single person vaccinated. So I think that'll be interesting to see. The other thing that I'll note is that the administration's Safer Federal Workforce Task Force provided some more specific information about kind of what happens when you need to enter a federal building. And from what we're hearing is that some of those deadlines are approaching soon. I can think of at least three agencies that have set early January re-entry dates to have some employees, some more employees come back into the building. And so this information I think is relevant. And the task force has essentially said that beginning now for federal employees, Security officers will not ask you for, you know, your vaccine card or anything like that. If you have a PIV card and can get into the building, you will be allowed into the building. And so your vaccination status won't prevent you from physically getting inside a federal facility. It'll be up to each agency to enforce, you know, social distancing, masking, testing requirements, maybe, for employees at that building. And the same thing will happen with contractors. Of course, they have a later deadline, January 18th, at which point the task force says that uh, any contractor who has a valid PIV card can get into the building at, at that point as well, January 18th, without being asked for their vaccination status. So essentially, your vaccine status is not a condition of getting inside a federal building, which I think is relevant, especially considering the fact that some of these dates or deadlines might be coming up soon. Well, if numbers as high as you've cited then, close to 100% of people being vaccinated, and we'll learn more about the contractors, then it seems like they feel, from the administration standpoint, they can resort back to trust as admission to federal buildings. I think that's a good way of putting it. And, of course, we'll see in the coming weeks here as, you know, agencies start to maybe flesh out some of those reentry plans. And, of course, this could all change again, I, I assume, uh, given how the rest of the pandemic has gone. I think, you know, we are seeing some case numbers rise in some parts of the country. And so it's possible that some of these agencies might backpedal a little bit. But for now, it seems like they are on maybe the track that they said they wanted to be on. And I think, you know, maybe not releasing a lot of details about how they were doing throughout this process maybe benefited them a bit, you know, not really... You know, at some points, I think with some of these agencies, especially at TSA, I think the numbers were quite a bit lower than what they appear to be right now. Well, I think on the whole, federal employees tend to be rational people. And we know that the vaccine does work and it does reduce the spread, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess not really surprising in the end. Perhaps not surprising, but I think, you know, considering just how much concern was out there at the beginning when this mandate was announced. Of course, there are still pending lawsuits from federal employees uh, about this vaccine mandate. I wonder if this information will perhaps go into some of the decision making with some of those uh, still pending lawsuits. I'm not sure. But, you know, we do know that for now, um, you know, I, I don't think there is any federal district court that has granted, you know, any emergency relief to this mandate so far. And so those lawsuits are pending and they may or may not be resolved in the coming weeks. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Check out her latest story at federalnewsnetwork.com.
Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual. And that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon. Um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own. But he would stop and he would focus on me. And he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used 
that you use to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to, to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants 
as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.